Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hello everybody, this is Rebecca. And as you know, I am currently on a winter break. But while I'm away, I wanted to be able to help others in the podcast industry and share their show with my listeners. So please take a listen. And if you are interested in subscribing to their show, please check the episode notes. All the details will be there for you to go ahead and subscribe to them. If you just came across the podcast, Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity, and you would like to listen to those stories, all you have to do is back up on the episode list to prior to December of 2021. The podcast will return on Sunday, February 6th, or Friday, February 4th, if you're a Patreon subscriber. And if you are interested in bonus episodes and are interested in subscribing as a Patreon, details on how to proceed will be at the end of this episode. And thank you for being here. Welcome to the Sheila Mack Show, reality at its finest. History reminds us those hit hardest often become the change makers. This year, we've all hit crazy economic, social, and emotional rock bottoms. We all get knocked down. Something hits globally, locally, personally. It affects our health, finances, our relationships. We have to recreate a business or career. Each show, Sheila and her special guest will be sharing their reboot stories, guiding you with real solutions to upgrade and up-level emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially. Here on NBC's KCAA Radio. If you're ready to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and bra straps, enjoy a listen. Here's Sheila. Welcome to the Sheila Mack Show, reality at its finest. Here we have real people sharing real stories and actionable steps to help you reinvent, rebuild, and reboot your business and personal life on your terms. I'm your host, Sheila Mack, and today we have special guests, David and Cindy Malonis. David is a co-host for Something On My Mind podcast, Personal Finance with his wife, Cindy. David and Cindy have a podcast where they cover all things finance and mix in personal offbeat and unusual stories. So they are realists, but are always mixing in humor and equation. They love to give back with their stories while helping people achieve their goals. All right. Welcome to the show, David and Cindy. Thank you. All right. Thank you. 
You you called them Davy. I thought, oh my gosh, you yes. guys are that you're that close already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that is that your nickname? That was so interesting. It just showed up. That's funny. Actually, it's it's my best friend's nickname for him. I've never uh -huh. called him. <laughs> oh, see here. That's that's yeah. good then. Best friend Sue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'd like to start off by asking if you have a time in your business or personal life where you experienced a tough situation and how you got back on track. Oh, geez, David. I mean, I, I should probably answer that first. Um, considering when I met David, um, I was coming out of a, a 16 year domestic abuse relationship with someone um, extremely bipolar, extremely financially irresponsible, um, and extremely parentally irresponsible. So um, it, I was in a, a dangerous relationship that resulted in um, honestly being taken advantage both financially, personally, mm -hmm. um, you know, to the core. And so um, coming off of that, I, uh, you know, escaping out of that relationship, finally, when it was my daughter who said, you know, mommy at eight years old, she said, you know, please divorce them. And, wow. you know, the interesting thing is even in the worst of times or the worst yeah. of relationships or abuse, some, you get so distorted. You think that you're doing the right thing for your kids and, and you're not, you're clearly not. So, um, filed bankruptcy. I lost my home. I lost a car. I lost a boat. Um, you know, living homeless with my kids for a couple months in the house, um, in my best friend Sue's house across the street from the house we lost, um, you know, stripped pretty much of all my dignity internally, um, but yet still having to be the one and the only one raising my eight and 10 year old at the time, supporting them on a modest um, salary at the time and trying to stay positive and um, keep myself as a role model, as a mother and a worker and a friend, um, you know, stripped, stripped of everything. Literally, I met David not intending to ever get married again right. with with a negative $1,200 in my bank account and $3,000 left in my 401k. Um, and uh, yeah, you want to talk about, you know, trying to figure out how to ever trust a man again, um, mm. a, a life situation that, you know, you have to go to work. And I mean, I guess that's the cool thing I could say through that process, stripped of dignity by day or by night, let's say, um, and having to forge forward. And, and you know, as it stands today, I, I broke the glass ceiling. I'm in a very high net worth um, partnership with my, um, in finance, in the financial industry. Um, and basically um, came through just by pure perseverance of not ever wanting to let my kids suffer and fail and see hardship, but how to react to it, which is what you said. Yeah, that's um, a lot. That is and there's a more, you know, this story is very, very long and, and right. very detailed. Um, but the long and short of it, you know, um, being spit on, being choked, being um, being a, a drywall repairman because of holes in the walls. Um, mm -hmm. And then and then meeting David as a happenstance dinner one night thinking, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And, you know, marrying a year later um, and having him be the guy that I never knew even existed in life. Yes, that's beautiful. How wonderful. 
<laughs> met and, sure. and I will say fairy tales um, do happen when you least expect it. That's great. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you're coming out of an abusive situation, and it it doesn't matter the relationship. It could be a parent, a, a spouse, even an adult child, or you know, a teen yeah. child that becomes abusive, something like that. And there's a point where there's certain people they need help. They're not safe people and right. they don't need to be around you or, or your children as a mama. You know, I protect my kids. Oh, too. I'm a mama bear. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And there's something about realizing, okay, I'm the healthy one. So I'm the one who has to do all the work to leave this. Well, that's an interesting dynamic because the, the, when you're in that situation and um sorry to monopolize David, but I think that that's an important component to that as when you're being abused, you're being told that you're not worthy. And so you're beaten down and you don't think you're worthy, but yet you go to work and people love you and you're, you're challenging yourself and you're achieving things along the way. And so it's this dichotomy of like, I'm a piece of crap inside being told I'm nothing. People hate me. People, you know, you're posing and people are faking that they like you. Um, but knowing better, you know, so, and then realizing, yeah, like I have to do it all. Um, and I have to rise to the challenge and I don't feel like a good parent and I don't feel like I belong. And, you know, um, at the moment in anything because I'm not worthy. Um, but I knew I was, you know, it's just, it was always the push and pull of that situation. And then having to succeed and thrive and get your ass up every day for work, even though you just want to lay in bed and curl, curl up in a little ball. And many times I cried my way to work, um, you know, in my friend's car who had to pick me up every day because I didn't have a car. So, yeah, that's something that happens. And it's people often will ask a person in a difficult, abusive relationship, why did you stay so long? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was also in a very interesting yeah similar situation, not a healthy relationship. And it was an arranged kind of marriage situation that it was wow. even in her will. Like if, if you get divorced, you don't get, your kids don't get nothing. Wow. It was tough to get out of something so crazy. Um, but it, it happened and it's, you have to have that point in yourself when you're ready. And you, you might've had, I, I don't know, for me, I had all my friends, even my dad. Everybody. Everybody was like, honey, you know, you just got to go. And go. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, but that's impossible. I couldn't relate to that more. <laughs> I, I cannot relate to that statement more. And I stayed 16 years. And that's what people are like. Why can't you just go? Like, you don't understand unless you've walked in the shoes of someone in that scenario. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how hard it is to escape because you convince yourself that you still want to save that person or you want your, you're going to hurt your kids if you don't leave or how are you going to survive? I have no money. You know what? You walk out and you figure out how to survive because you, the second thing you realize is that person was yeah. the weak one and they're the bully and you're the, the, you're the leader of the pack. Like it's you, you survived it. You thrive for your kids. You've shown yourself as the example. And I, you know, I didn't, realize how much of that I achieved. Um, and I, I just don't even want to dis discount David in this scenario, but I, I got healthy enough to then find love in a way that, you know, was healthy and respectful and challenging and 
God, when David came along, he's like, do you realize what you've done and what you've achieved? And mm -hmm. I was like, go away. You're a man. But, you know, yeah. Anyway, sorry, David. I didn't mean to take over. Oh, here, oh no. I, <laughs> David, I fell, wake I fell up. asleep. I just woke up. <laughs> just kidding. I've heard this story no. so many times, but I love yeah. it every time. Yeah. Maybe that's why we're here. That's why we talk about it because right. um, you got to get the message across to people because right. there's a lot of people. If you help one person out with this broadcast, that is worth it. Exactly. That's how, that's how we feel. I so, could repeat it a million times if I help one person yeah, along the exactly, way. Exactly, exactly. So, David, what was it like getting into a relationship with someone that may have had some feeling safe issues, some trust issues around safety? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I had to learn to do that because I hadn't faced that. Um, mm -hmm. Some of it even still exists today in some form, but... Um, you have to listen and you know, the number one thing that men don't do very well or a partner on the other side is sometimes you just need to listen and not say anything and then don't provide an opinion unless you're asked. Um, so you have to listen for a while. <laughs> so it doesn't mean I always get it right, but, um, you learn, you listen, and then you, you know, insert yourself where needed. Right. And so, you know, meeting Cindy, um, it was like, there's a lot of pieces strewn out because when you're dealing with when you both of you have been in situations where there's so much going on where rather than one thing, you know, that the whole goal is try to maintain the fort where something bad is happening, but you guys had multiple things in your cases. So it's much harder to do that. So mm. you got to say, all right, well, all right, let's, let's, let's take this one piece and work on it, on it once, you know, here and there, and let's build this little chunk up. Let's get a couple confidence boosters, kind of like paying off a, your credit card on the smallest debt kind of a thing. Right. right. You feel good. You get something in the hamper, Right. And you keep building up for there, but you keep talking about goals and mindset and, you know, what, what can we do next? But it's always the we, what can we do together? Right. But then you have to have your individual side because you saved yourself, but you have to keep improving yourself at the same time because the world doesn't really care as much as we all care if you get them people in the right places. So you have to stick with your little protective blanket in your circle. And as long as you can build that trust up, then the world opens up later on, but it takes a long time to get there. And I, I, I would just say that um, I don't know. I just felt like in my, you know, with me that um, I just needed to be there and take care of her. I just, I mean, I don't even know what to say. We got married so quick. It uh -huh. just felt right. And, you know, the joke I always make is like, well, let's see, bankrupt, two kids, abusive husband. She's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> homeless. Yeah, right. Perfect. I, was not, I wasn't homeless at the time. I was just no. completely broke. Yeah. But yeah, you were getting off that just off that, you know, somewhat recently. And, um, but yeah, that's a joke we make And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I just feel like you just, if life only has so many opportunities in life and that's the way I felt. So I didn't really think about too much about, except that, um, I just needed to be there. I wanted to be there and I could just sense something that's going to be good down the road. So I just jumped into the pool. Mm, yes, that's, that's so important. And there's, there's healing that has to happen. I, you know, I, I learned in psychology, my, my oldest, um, I mean, my youngest daughter actually is studying psychology and I learned about this cognitive dissonance and I was like, holy smokes, that was so real for me. I didn't mm -hmm. know how bad things were um, in an unhealthy relationship, how unsafe yeah. things were until I left. It's amazing, and isn't it? It, it really and, is because I ran five businesses and yeah. I, I was involved with the community and, 
did yeah, some yes, yeah. was very involved and probably super busy just to get away from him. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I, so I was yes. like, okay, just give me some peace. Yeah. And and so that that was something that I was like, well, how can intelligent women, capable women, great moms, you know, how can we like not even see what yeah. everybody else saw? Um, until after you get safe. I have chills at you saying that because it, honestly, I went to work and people are like, you're the most confident person. You're, you literally lead, you lead people to water and you get them to drink. You are, a, you know, just a natural born um, um, empath and compassionate. And like, I, I always knew it's, that was like the whole dichotomy of me. And still I challenge, it's just a, kind of a strange thing when I, you know, there's times I, I do fall back mentally into weird spaces. Um, and that's trauma. Trauma's forever. This is, I'm 15 years removed and still have nightmares on a weekly basis about that person in my life hurting me and, or just being there. Um, but that was the thing people would be like, you know, you're so confident. You're so good at what you do. I mean, I was in finance. I was a broke person in finance, but I was, that was completely circumstantial. He, I didn't gather a day of, I never paid or I, I never got a day of um, child support. Uh, he never took a day of custody to give me relief, any financial relief. And I frankly got stuck with alimony mm -hmm. because he didn't want to work. So I, yeah. you know, I was paying basically taking the food from my children's mouth when he was knocking on the door because we had a legal and binding contract to pay him. And I feared for my life that I didn't. But yeah, when you remove yourself from that, it's, you look back and you're like, who the hell was that person allowing all of that craziness to go on? And, and you can't blame the people around you. You can't. Right. I mean, I hid it a lot. My parents had no idea. I revealed stuff only just in the last year. And my mother broke down, crying. She said, we failed you. And my dad said, we didn't fail her. She mm -hmm. stood on her own two feet. She got out and we didn't know the half of it because she right. allowed herself to forge forward without our help. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back all day long for that. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yes. you know, trying not to ask for help if I, if I could avoid it. That's, that's so important. And one thing I share, it's not something I get paid to share about, is I do share about 211. And 211 yeah. um, in every state in the United States and, and all the provinces in Canada is a place where if you're dealing with abuse, financial issues, other, you know, child care issues, mm -hmm. all different things, mental health help, uh, there's resources there. And a lot of times when you get a divorce or when you're getting away, especially from somebody very abusive, right. it's it affects your finances. It affects every single part of your life. And you're like, whoa, why is this? And you do. You start over and you need to get to ground zero. Mm -hmm. In, you know, I talk about it a lot in my book. I'll do my little book plug. Right, good. Yeah. I and I have resources. And I, my goal was I want more resources than anybody could ever need. I want all the resources. And every time I get a new one, I put it in there um, on the website and this and that, because I want people to be able to get to that point. Yeah. And the beauty is you get to reinvent your life this time on your terms. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's funny when I met David, I was like about three months in, I, I called him, we were on our way to dinner and I said, this isn't going to work. And he's like, what? 
Uh, we we had the most like we knew we had an amazing everything like from the second we met which neither of us wanted to go out to the next day's conversation to the date in Costco a week later to uh -huh. the date the real date two weeks later to you know making out on the couch for hours <laughs> within two weeks like feeling something you know so strong and I'm like but I I was like sabotaging it because it felt so normal and good. I just didn't even think that there, that was a possibility. Mm. And my friend was with me that night and she's like, what are you doing? And he called me, he said, no, you're not, you're not going to ruin something that we have. And, you know, we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this next May wow. uh, or this next June, I should say. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, um, strong power couple and, and we fight and we have our issues and we're not perfect. Um, I'm still a good kisser, though. <laughs> I will, I'll give him that. <laughs> you know, and when I think I'm just blushing. You are blushing. I, I actually love that. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I think that's something that's when you're stepping out of something not healthy, you almost feel like, okay, every man or every woman, if you're a guy or, or just other partner, whatever, however your relationship was and what you're looking for everybody's the same and they're right. not there's unsafe unhealthy people in every you know every form email yeah, every yeah. form and and there's more healthy whole people than that it's a small percentage but if you end up being empathic you said you were empathic very and, and i i was to, to a fault super super young and yeah. then the whole yeah. arranged same. thing uh but it was one of those things where I have always been like that. So you give people the benefit of the doubt and yeah. you work with them and you see yeah. the light in them and you're like, okay, let's just try to bring that light out a little bit more. Yeah. Let's work on this. I mean, I, I don't know. I probably spent at least a half a million on therapy for, yeah. for when he was a kid. Yeah. Not, not even, yeah. not even playing around. Yeah. I made a lot of money and I spent a lot just trying to like, I just, okay. Wow. Kids, let's make, try to make something work. Yeah. And I think there's, there's work where when you're an aligned couple that you work together on things and that's normal. Mm -hmm. But then there's when you're working so hard to change somebody and they're trying to change you into both what you don't want. That it's like, wait, <laughs> this isn't, yeah. this isn't the right person no. and, and somebody else that's a great fit, whatever. And so that's good. So it's those conversations are so important to have, whether you're in a relationship or especially before, as you build one to discuss expectations Yeah, and, and I guess vision, mission, mm -hmm. uh, alignment. It's not like you have to do everything the same, but agreements and those unwritten rules that nobody talks about. But, you know, my family, this is what marriage looks like. Right. And parenting. And this is how the house is, is kept. And yeah. this is how we keep our finances. And then they have this whole other vision and it's completely different. And mm -hmm. then find these two visions and somehow you got to work all that out where you're both on the same page or else the expectation that's not said really can affect everything else. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's, I think, David and I couldn't be more different. 
um, like completely opposite, which scared me because I'm like, you're going to be, you, I'm going to drive you nuts is what's going to happen. I, I try to help everybody. I say yes to everything. I can't say no. I'm, I'm crazy emotional. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm romantic. <laughs> and he was like the straight, like logical, even keel, it's all going to be okay. And I'm like, no, it's not nothing. And that's still today, 10 years later, he's the voice of reason and voice of logic. And I don't know, David, go ahead. I mean, yeah. You need to pipe in because I know you have stuff to say. Like 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 Spock, you know. Sometimes Captain the illogical is logical. So <laughs> right? I think he said that one time in a Star Trek episode. Even though I'm not a Trekkie, but um, I don't know. I see. You know, see if you look back ten years from now, we've um, we raised kids in a blended family, and they're like brother and sister as, as good as they could be. You best even friends. Know. They're best friends. They, nice. they hang out. They they all work on our show. We have this built brand new new studio we built. They're all part of the, uh, the podcast and, and the outreach. Um, they, um, you know, and then we've, we've, um, we've built wealth and we live a life that we want. We work hard and it also uh, makes you give back. We we're pretty good with charity. We need to do better. I always want to do better, but we always give back in some shape or form. We don't even try to make money in our show. Mm -hmm. I think we I think we'll start doing that because I think we have a platform now, but that wasn't our goal. Our mission is to do align all these things. But the point is, is that the reason that we always succeed is we always do have the goals. And you kind of alluded to that, Sheila, is that, mm. um, you know, you have a separation of church and state within each other, but the goals are all always floating around for us. And there isn't really anything that we haven't accomplished. And we don't always have a timetable on it. It's like, ah, eh, we'll get this done within a year or two, but it's always on the radar. And then it's like, you can just pluck from the hopper when things are ready. And so it's like, it might be like, hey, we're going to do this bathroom. And all of a sudden, like, we forget about it. And the next, like a year later, it's like, we're going to do the bathroom today. Okay, go pay for it. Like, <laughs> right. it's kind of cool having like those things to pick from. But we understand that there's a lot of people out there who don't have that ability. Um, so we're very fortunate. So we're always, that's why we did the financial podcast, because we, we know that money is the biggest driver of relationship breakups as it is, regardless of all the other bad things that can happen. But if you can get that right, you can always survive. At least right. you can pay your bills, maybe have a roof over your head and you can try to, you know, get through. But, um, but I do really think that that's how we survive. I, one thing I would point out to anybody with a good relationship is that, uh, if 95% of your arguments are stupid, uh, then you know, you're mm, good. Yeah. And then you don't go to bed angry. Sometimes Cindy will go up once in a I while. And then she's, she don't talk to me. She goes up and I'm just going to spend the night up here, you know, in the bed tonight. And I'll, I guess I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> and I think the other thing is like, you know, your chemistry and that's why we're expanding is the kind of thing we're doing in life now is because we know that what we do isn't fake. People are drawn to us. People like us and, um, we want to help again, people. And so, um, I think, you know, but it takes time to build all this over the years and you always have to keep fresh, find something new. Um, and then you just learn to be honest with who you are and just realize I can't fix everything about me to be the way she'd like me to be or vice versa. But right. you can stay in the zone and then you're not mad too long. And then, you you know, what? at the end of the day, you're still laughing on an everyday basis. And if you can do that, then you, I think you're OK. Because someone says, for example, yeah, my husband cheated on me. It's like, well, he didn't cheat on you because he thought the girl was hot. He cheated on you because there's a problem in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So there's always a result of something else in your marriage. That leads usually a guy or girl to go and do something wrong. So that's yeah. why it's very important to have great communication in what you're doing. Mm, that's so true. Yeah. Because you're getting something outside of the relationship that wasn't available. Mm -hmm. Patient feeling safe, uh, whatever that is feeling appreciated 
Um, so it, it does, it's, um, it is something to work on within the relationship for sure. That is, that's so important. Now finance. I'm in litmus testing that. And so that's what our future goal is, but we would love to be, you know, driving around in some cool RV for chunks of the time and just, you know, walking away and then, you know, mixing the charitable causes along the way. And they think that's kind of what we're going to focus on in the next couple of years. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, it was so nice to meet you both. And we're coming to the end of our talking time. So again, uh, one more time, could you share, is there a website where people could reach you or? Yeah, all social media platforms, all uh, podcast platforms, really. And then the website is somethingonmymind.net. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Cindy and David, Thank for being you. on the show. All right. And for those tuning in, we'll be back after these messages. All right. Thank you. Check out my new book, Bootstraps and Bra Straps, the formula to go from rock bottom back into action in any situation. Here's a little bit more. Necessitated. You need a guide to show you how we get through a situation like this to give you resources and to help you get out of the emotional pea soup fog of dealing with a crisis and the resulting fallout. I've been there and I'm here to help you. Out of the fog. If you weren't emotionally bound up in your situation, you would have more clarity. You would be able to see your best options for dealing with whatever comes up. If the version of yourself who has already walked through this rock bottom and come out the other end could go back in time and give you, the you right now, some advice, what would she say? Would she tell you to slow down, to stop rushing, that you don't have to have all the answers today? Would the future you recommend not making any major decisions without reviewing them first particularly while you're still in the fog? Would she tell you that normal is going to look different for a while, but that you will feel normal again? In case we haven't invented time travel by the time you read this book, I'm here to tell you all of the above. I developed the Boots formula to help you learn to make choices, have a life shift, and make great things happen based on your individual values and best life vision. A change is going to happen and it's worth it. There is a stage where it feels like everyone in your life is picking at you. Life itself may seem like it's trying its best to stop you from doing whatever you want to do. All you hear is, that's a stupid idea. And that's never going to work. And who do you think you are? One of the hardest things for people to do is to realign and possibly walk away from anything and anyone that conflicts with their value systems. But you're going to discover that power within yourself. Through the activities and examples in this book, you will discover your true north and will be able to easily do what is needed to move forward with your life. Anything that hurts you, that doesn't resonate for you, that fights against what you want and believe in, you are going to give it the boot. Is not one size fits all, just like a pair of boots or a bra. So the formula is designed to help you through any situation. All right, if you're just tuning in, this is NBC Sheila Mack show here on KCAA Radio. 
the station that leaves no listener behind. And we are also streaming to YouTube at Sheila Mack Show and all major podcasting channels. And we'll be visiting some other special shows. So while you're listening, I wanted to share a little bit from my chapter on relationships, shift or get off the pot. This is Audible. Chapter 3. Shift or Get Off the Pot. Relationships. Angela is a friend and client in her late 40s who hit rock bottom while going through a divorce. Angela's artistic talent is a big part of her essence, a way for her to express her emotions, her truth, her love, but Angela's husband didn't like her to talk about her art, let alone create art in the house. He is a very militant and structured man, and she is the creative artist type. When Angela and her husband were dating and newlyweds, they had fun. She felt free to express herself. That sense of freedom withered away after they had children. Angela's husband expected the household to be run with a certain structure and the children to be raised in a strict way of life. Angela wanted to share her passion for art with her kids, making murals and crafting homemade ornaments for the holidays. Her husband didn't think that was necessary and hated coming home to a messy house, even yelling and putting her down in front of the children if he felt they had gone overboard with the art projects. They fought often over the years. The children loved doing art projects with their mother when they were younger, able to express the artistic parts of themselves. As they got older, however, they saw less of who she really was. Instead, Angela's children saw somebody living in conflict with herself. They saw her get in trouble when she made her art, so they kept their passions and talents locked in a box too. When I asked Angela about her happiest moments, she said it was when she and her children were decorating those ornaments, making gifts for everybody. Even little Sam, who wasn't great at art projects, used his computer programming skills to create his own style of art. They put their heart into their gifts for grandparents, aunts, and uncles. When their father came home, he said, that's stupid. Just buy them a gift. We've got money. Angela felt like she was holding her breath in every aspect of her life and not expressing her true self. She worked in a professional, non-creative field. Her husband expected a strict, disciplined household. Angela's artistic side was suffocating. Family, friends, even therapists pointed out how restrictive Angela's lifestyle had become. Nobody was happy in that house, not even the dog. For about 10 years, Angela did everything possible to stay in her marriage for her children. She and her husband ended up sleeping in separate rooms and leading separate lives in the same house, prolonging the pain of growing apart. Leaving seemed an obvious choice, but nobody could take that step for Angela. There isn't a human being on the planet who would have helped her walk through that door until she was finally ready, which happened, unfortunately, only after she got very sick and ended up in the hospital. There, Angela realized that if she didn't stop the stress and get away from this continuous torture eating her up inside, she might literally die. Finally, she reached out and was able to say, I'm ready to do this because I don't have any other choice. Lying in the hospital bed was her rock bottom moment. But that's not to say her situation couldn't get any harder. 
the circle of people they most related to as a family did not support Angela and her children through the divorce because they came from a very traditional religious background where divorce is not considered an option. Her children were cut off from one set of grandparents. Angela lost friends from her place of worship. People she worked with were pissed off at her. Staying was costing Angela her health. She made her choice and stepped into it. But at what cost? Should I stay or should I go? We'll look at how Angela continued walking through and out of her rock bottom moment later in this chapter. For now, though, let's focus on the fact that she found herself in a situation familiar to many women, deciding whether to stay in a relationship or leave. For this chapter, we're looking at a breakup as a rock bottom, but it's not the only way a relationship can end or be redefined. There is a spectrum along which every relationship falls, and the true rock bottom moment comes when you have to decide whether you've outgrown a marriage or if you're going to recommit to it. Sometimes, as with the death of a spouse, that choice is taken away from you. If the sudden change in your relationship is a death, you can refer to chapter two, which is about grief. That shift is outside of your control, and you'll want to approach it from a different perspective. Other times, as with abusive situations, the choice may be obvious, but very difficult to make. We'll discuss abuse in greater depth in the next chapter. Whatever state your relationship is in, you can own your role in it, which allows you to take back your power and own your happiness as well. So the first step is to ask yourself, can we make it work? If you really want to make it work and both parties are all in for that, then that's the goal. That's great. Of course, there are relationships that are never going to be healed and not moving on from those just prolongs the pain of ripping off that band-aid. At a certain point, you're hurting everybody. You all realize it's not working out. The kids know, everybody knows. It's like being in hell. If you're stuck half in and half out of a relationship, you won't be able to pull out of your rock bottom moment. You may be so focused on the possible end of your relationship that you're not showing up at work as much or you're not able to be present with your children. It's really important to get to a place where you're taking your power back. There are beautiful ways to help heal a relationship, but if it isn't going to work, know that ending the relationship isn't going to take your happiness away. The most loving, effective way possible to move on whether that's to repair the relationship or make as clean a break as possible is to own your part of the responsibility and go forward. There are two people here. No matter what has happened in the past, it's not your fault nor the other party's fault 100%. Both parties are responsible for some part of how you got to this point. Taking responsibility for your part empowers you to choose what your relationship is going to look like in the future. When you're able to pull from the relationship all the gifts that empower you to make different choices, whether it's good memories or knowing that you're not settling, you can be thankful for the life lessons you've learned. You know that you are not a victim. You are powerful. Once you make a choice and take that decisive action, you are honoring yourself. In this chapter, we'll look at making the choice to walk away from a relationship as well as what it looks like if you choose to reconnect. Growing apart. At some point, you may realize that you and your partner have grown apart and reconnection isn't just going to happen by magic. 
You may have gone to a therapist, sought religious counseling, or seen a life coach, but nothing changes and agreements continue to be broken. There's a point where you agree that if it doesn't work, you need to honor what you've had and move on. You can make a conscious choice not to keep trying to reconnect. I got married young to the boyfriend I told you about in the introduction, the father of my son and all my children. We got married for the wrong reasons, with a lot of pressure from relatives. We couldn't agree on anything other than how we raised our kids. That was our one aligning factor, but we had nothing else in common. So we fought about our different visions, values, and directions for our lives. It was a constant struggle. I stayed in a relationship desperately attempting to do the right thing. Yet we are both so incredibly different and we had little in common. We mostly did whatever he liked doing for fun and I set aside all my passions. It was a huge expense on my soul. No one was happy because we had different ideas of what our life was supposed to look like and the children felt this as well. It wasn't that there was no love. It was just that we weren't compatible in our life purposes. Ultimately, the best decision was for us not to be in that marriage anymore because it wasn't working for either of us. Once our children were grown, we agreed to go on our own separate paths. Before you make that final decision, it may be a good idea to have a 90-day period where you just put in one more shot, if that's what you want and both people agree. During that time, you and your significant other date each other again, and you can use that time to really try to renew your love for that person. Here are some ideas for things to try during those 90 days. Feel free to customize them to fit your situation. Spend time doing things together as a couple. Take your lover out for a movie or favorite dining experience. Dress up the way you used to when you first dated and create fun, spontaneous things to do like you both used to really enjoy. Find a babysitter or puppy sitter and take a mini vacation away together. Create a romantic bedroom at home if travel is not in the budget. Dim the lights, dress up in something sexy or nothing at all. Give your maid a hot oil massage and get as loud and passionate as you did when you were young lovers. Write love notes or send romantic or steamy text messages to your loved one. Have an adult ditch day. Take an afternoon off from work while the kids are at school and invite your spouse to do the same. Time for adult play. Don't discuss the issues of the disagreements during this time. Just focus on the love as much as possible. Then, if things still don't change, you've set the date and now you're honoring your own agreements to yourself. Each person has a responsibility to themselves to honor their own standards and needs. You're going to have to set that boundary and at a certain point, you're going to have to follow through on the decision you've made. If you decide to leave, you can't keep threatening your spouse, hoping they'll change. Nope, this is it. You've had the talk and you're done. It's been however many years plus 90 days and it's hurting both of you. So you agree to stop. You gave it one last try and now you can move forward in a loving way to move apart because you're not aligned anymore. Infidelity. But what happens when that period of growing apart leads to one or both partners choosing to be unfaithful? The stability of a marriage or relationship is often threatened by outside situations. You don't have enough time together because you need to care for your sick mom or your kids going through adolescent angst and needs your support. 
There's a season in life and in relationships where those interruptions are going to be your normal. Unfortunately, that season is when people may seek connection with someone outside the marriage and have an affair, emotionally or physically. Affairs tend to happen slowly and gradually, and it's not because two people don't love each other. It's not always intentional or done out of hatred. Those people want a certain level of connection in a relationship, and when that connection is disrupted, even for a reason that makes perfect sense when you look at it objectively, they may look for it elsewhere. Infidelity is gut-wrenching and painful. When you are in a committed relationship and the other person cheats, you may feel like it's a judgment against you or a blow to your confidence. Am I not pretty or handsome enough? Did I not do enough? Having an emotional connection with somebody outside of the relationship may not be cheating in the traditional definition of infidelity, but it feels the same to the person who finds out about the affair. In fact, physical affairs often mean less than emotional ones. Learning about your partner's infidelity comes as a shock because you probably thought you were happy. Even if the other person doesn't decide to leave, finding out that your partner had an affair can shake up your relationship and your whole life. When faced with infidelity, you have to make the personal choice of whether to stay or to leave. Some people can get back together, work it out, and start fresh, and they do great. Others may decide not to take the chance of going through this rock bottom again. You cannot change another human being. You can't control them. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. That person chose to dishonor your commitment, and that's on their integrity. You may not even be able to control whether they stay or go, but there are two people in this relationship and you can control yourself and what you do next. Self-love is really important as is honoring yourself and not jumping into the victim role. You can decide who you want to have in your life and what happens if someone crosses the line that you set. You have to know what that no deal point is for you. It's an individual decision. There's no judgment about where you choose to draw that line. Your body will tell you. Your emotions will tell you. You may feel resentful or hurt, and something will feel very off to you. When this first happens, you may not be able to put your finger on it. It just doesn't feel like the relationship is aligned. You may get a feeling in the pit of your stomach or an ache for no reason. Even more important is that you realize that you are empowered to know where that line is and that the door is open. You're not locked in a cage. You have the freedom to walk away. If you can't feel the same with this person as you did earlier in the relationship, when you were happy, you'll know that it's not going to work. You may still love them, but you have to love yourself enough to know that you can't forgive their behavior and you don't have to be a part of it. It's not worth staying in a relationship that doesn't work just to have somebody in your life. You deserve to be in a relationship with honesty and integrity. Surround yourself with people who are aligned with your values. Take responsibility for and control your life, and you'll take back your power. Set them free, and you set yourself free, too. There's a beautiful ceremony you can do when you are finally disconnected from a relationship that didn't work. You can send love and release them. Write a letter that says everything you feel and then burn it or send it off in a balloon. That allows you to set free that whole relationship and send gratitude for the lesson. Now you know what you don't want in your life. 
You honor and love the good parts you did see in your former partner. Obviously, to have a relationship, you had to see something at some point that was a light good part. Then you release them and you release yourself at the same time. When you do that, it frees you up and gives you the space to have people who are a better fit for you show up in your life. You're not still stuck in that old story. You've set it free, given it love and let it go. If there's a better fit who's more aligned with who you are and your values and your vision for life, those people will show up. Then you don't get stuck on the old story of why that person was bad. You take responsibility and release them. Whether or not they gave you closure, you took your own and you gave it to them in return. Then you can move on in peace, whether you're going through a breakup or divorce or temporary disconnect in a relationship. Reigniting your love. What happens when you choose to stay instead of go? Perhaps you've been so focused on working and parenting for so long that you've just fallen into those roles and neglected your roles as partners. Then, when you retire or your kids move out or another shift occurs, all of a sudden, you're living with a stranger. You have to figure out how to reconnect with this person at the level of a partner, not as a parent or somebody else working to support the household. You can work together as a team again. You can rebuild your connection and give yourselves permission to be a young married couple again, even if you're older. Recommitment contract. From what I've seen in my own relationships and seeing the ups and downs my friends and clients have gone through, you have your relationship and then you have outside factors, which are important to identify. Maybe you have to go to holiday dinners with your in-laws who belittle you. Maybe you have financial issues that are causing stress. Once you've had children, in particular, life feels different. You have to do chores and help with homework. You have to pay for their expenses and discipline them when something goes wrong. You may be working more hours away from your family, even though it's all done out of love. This isn't a completely misaligned relationship. The passionate times are just diminishing because you're busy doing something that may be important for the survival of the family. You can't change some of those factors, but some of them you can. How can you change what you can? How are you going to respond differently so it doesn't affect your couple unit or your family unit so that it's not going to be a problem anymore? That has nothing to do with your love. And as a couple, you can own that and decide what you can do proactively to make adjustments. Think about writing a recommitment contract. Part of your contract may include how many date nights per week you want or how you're going to celebrate holidays. You may strategize what you'll do if something happens. If the kids need something or your mom gets sick or your boss makes you work long hours on a deadline. You have a pre-planned understanding of how to continue honoring each other in those situations. You'll also find an activity at the end of this chapter that walks you through how to create a relationship agreement. You're going to have fun, reunite, and do crazy, wild things like we all did when we were younger. Who the hell cares? You're not worried about other people's opinions. You're just going to do whatever romantic things you did when you were in your 20s or 30s so you can rekindle that relationship. Maybe you want to go on a second honeymoon. You may decide to renew your vows, especially if you want to change your commitments or re-acknowledge what you're honoring in each other. If there was infidelity, you may want to start over, dating again, and then make a new commitment, contract, or vow with one another, 
You don't have to make it formal or invite people to a party. You can just say it to one another in your backyard or on a trip. You can have a beautiful moment where you recommit to a fresh start, to moving forward, and to your wonderful new relationship. If there's an ability to have open conversations and to connect back and see that it's not really about loving each other, it's about all this outside stuff, you can work around that and still have that time to continue in this beautiful relationship that you both want to maintain. Communication. As we all know, men and women are different. That difference is really clear in how women and men communicate. Men are direct. They often say what they mean and mean what they say. Rarely is there a hidden meaning. If they say, I'm going to be late, it's because they're going to be late, not because they want to make a point or don't love you. When they talk to each other, they say things like, hey, buddy, you gained 30 pounds. What are you going to do about it? That doesn't mean you're ugly. That's just how they talk. Women won't say that, even if it's true, because in general, we tend to be more emotional. We don't like to point out our flaws. You want to have an awareness of the difference in how women and men communicate so you can learn the other person's language and learn how to be direct. You may choose to have a word to use if you start to go back to the old patterns established before you recommitted to this relationship. If you start to fight over the toilet paper roll or something stupid like that, what crazy code word can you use? Something completely silly that will break the moment and remind you of your real love. When you're playful and laughing, you're not going to go to that negative place. When it's something more serious, you may need to communicate beyond that one word. Maybe you have to say, when you were late and I had made dinner, but you didn't call, I felt neglected. Or, hey, I'm drowning over here. I need to talk about this as soon as possible. From a woman's standpoint, having an agreed-upon word or direct statement is going to reach home to a man a lot more than deciding to show him because he may never see it. It may go over his head. He wants to know what you need so he can provide it. Use your love languages. I have five boys and one daughter, so I've learned how to communicate with the boys, and that's really blessed me for other relationships. I realize I just need to be direct. I highly recommend the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman to learn about the other person's love language. This book says that each person expresses love and responds best through using one of five ways of communicating or what they call our love languages. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. All six of my children have completely different love languages. My youngest son's is physical touch. He's always been a hugger. When I text him, I say, I'm sending you a big hug. He'll text back, I caught it, I'm sending one back. My daughter is not a hugger. Her love language is quality time. She'll come over for slumber parties where we stay up talking until the sun rises the next day. It's good to know your significant other's temperament and the love language that aligns with that. We all have different languages. So try to talk and text in the love language that means the most to your partner because then they feel loved. If it's gifts, then get something small or inexpensive. Maybe they love to do sports and it's a priority for them to work out often. That doesn't mean they're taking time away from you. That's just who they are. They're not going to change. That's a beautiful part of them. But when you understand it, you can work around it. 
encourage your partner to speak your language too. If you need alone time or a break to go get a manicure, ask for it. That's the biggest gift for someone who needs quiet time. And by asking for it, your partner isn't wondering, why doesn't she want to talk to me? Once you both understand your temperaments and advanced needs, you can be successful in your relationship while still being true to who each of you are. To grab a copy of my new best-selling book, Bootstraps and Bra Straps, The Formula to Go from Rock Bottom Back into Action in Any Situation, it is now available on Audible as well as on Amazon and Kindle and at www.sheilamack.com. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to access story guides, subscribe to Patreon for bonus episode of the men's side of female infidelity, and to vote for this podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story for the show, share feedback, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or send by snail mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Every story is always anonymous. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is produced and edited by Rebecca Adams. You can follow the show on Facebook at Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, on Instagram at Podcast Raw Truth, and on Twitter at Raw Female. Thank you again, and be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.